0: Good to see everybody here this morning. And also to those of you who are joining us online, a couple things before we get started. So Travel Light, which you guys just saw the intro video for, is going to be our Christmas series. So that's what we're going to be starting uh, next week. Really excited about that series because, again... Uh, anybody that's been here for a while knows how I feel about the whole Christmas time that sometimes, you know, we kind of get out of hand and miss, you know, what we're celebrating and what's going on because of the chaos um, of the season. So we always try to do a series that will kind of bring us back into the perspective of, you know, what does God want us to do and how do we in this series, simplify our life, get rid of some baggage, and enjoy uh, the gift in which we're celebrating uh, for and during the Christmas season. So excited for that. It will end on our, and if you've never been here before, we do an Eve Eve service, so we'll be talking about that uh, coming up. And our Eve Eve service, we do it on Eve Eve because we're passionate about people being able to come with their families and, and invite people uh, to that service. And so the reason we do it on Eve Eve is a lot of people have Christmas Eve plans, right, and are unable to be able to do that and have family traditions. So we don't want them to break their family tradition, but we also want to be able to gather together um, as a church. So be looking for that uh, coming out and um, when we're going to be, obviously not when we're going to be doing that, we are going to be doing it and that we're going to be, you know, asking you guys to think about who's that person uh, that maybe you want to bring to church for the first time. Uh, Because again, we say this unapologetically on EV, we're going to share the gospel, so it's an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those of us who have heard and need to be reminded. And for those who have not yet heard, uh, that can maybe hear for uh, the first time. So excited about that. All right, so uh, also what's going on in our youth. So sometimes, you know, maybe if you come on a Sunday morning and you don't have kids, what's going on um, inside of our youth program? So the, their Thanksgiving dinner is tonight. Um, and so if you have youth kids involved, ball or youth kids that aren't involved It's an opportunity to get involved if you do it's an opportunity to be able to come together um, And celebrate so it's going to be an awesome time for our youth a lot of neat stuff going on in our youth program right now um, And again, uh, you should continue to watch for what's happening if you haven't seen the new youth center um, I would suggest going up and seeing it a lot of work went into it um, And it's awesome uh, if you guys want to see it the other thing is Um, We talked about this on our podcast, and we mentioned it a little bit on Sunday morning. So we have a guy that um, listened to a message one time, and he was like, I don't know really how to give back. Like, he's like, I've got talents, and, you know, I want to serve the Lord, but I'm not a very good, you know, speaker. I'm not really good in groups. Like, I want to be able to help people. How do I help people? And so we talked a little bit and said, well, what are you good at? You know, so he's like, well, I like carpentry work and things, you know, that go with that. So he started making these flags with the purpose of selling them through the Cafe of Hope. And then all of the money that was sold, he's donating back to the community to be able to help families. So there were, you know, X amount of flags sold. And so... During this time, uh, they've made a decision to get uh, gift cards for people. So they're Owens gift cards, right? So Owens gift cards with the money that was uh, given to buy flags like this. Um, And so after the service, so we have 26 cards to give away. They're $20 a piece, 26 cards to give away. So that's for two different, you know, people. So one, if it's you and you're in need, it's a great opportunity. Grab a gift card. Use it, you know, to help bless your family during this season. That's what Chris wanted this for is to be able to help, you know, families inside of the church to be able to uh, bless them. The other thing that he wanted was to say, if you know families that are in need, this is a great opportunity for you to be Jesus to them, you know. So grab a gift card on your way out when we're done with the 26. When we sell more flags, then we'll have the next opportunity again. So that's the other part of it is these flags are still for sale, you know, so if you want to buy one, you'll see them hanging out at the Cafe of Hope, um, and then you just put your order in with them, and then they, uh, he goes ahead and makes them. He's trying to build up a stock, but there's been quite a push on people buying flags, so he's trying to keep up on uh, the production part, <clears throat> uh, production part of that. So you can see him out there, order them. If you're in need of a uh, some money during this time or during the Christmas season, grab a gift card on the way out. If you know somebody, which is that's the other part of it, which is the, the thing that I love too the most, is that it's not that those people actually have to be here. We want you to take that card, and if you know a family, we want you to bless that family uh, with that card, and that's what Chris wants to do, and we'll continue to do. So uh, not only is it a cool thing happening during this time, it's a cool thing for Chris who's figured out a way, like this is the way I can serve the Lord, you know, with the gifts that. Uh, God gave me right so first corinthians series Which we started a long time ago. We're wrapping it up, right? This is it Uh, We're on uh, first corinthians 16. So that will be the chapter that we're looking at today And we're going to look at all of it because we have to get done So there's going to be a lot going on in first corinthians 16 that i'm going to talk about today Um, and so uh, if you're here, here's kind of a preface there's times that I try to like slow down and make sure that we get the one or two points that we're talking about today. It's going to be like a fire hose today because we have the whole chapter to get through and I don't want to carry it on after the first of the year. So we got a lot to talk about and a lot to figure out um, inside of this because we're going into our Travel Light series and then going into our next series that we're doing after the first of the year. Now, here's what's cool about it. So if you've ever been somebody that has read Scripture and you're like, I get it, but I have no idea how to apply it in my life. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm reading it, but what does it even mean for Monday, or what does it mean for Tuesday, and how do I figure out what are the practical steps? Can somebody just, I don't know if you've ever been like this, I've been like, can somebody just tell me what to do? Like I heard what you said, like and I hear what the scripture says, but can you just tell me what to do tomorrow and I'll just go do it, you know, and I, you know, I, need, I need some of that leadership or some of that guidance. So. We've been talking about 1 Corinthians was written to a group of people in the city of Corinth, the church uh, that was established at the time, and they were having two problems, right? One was doctrinal. So they didn't understand, when I talk about doctrine, it's like they didn't understand what Paul had taught them about the saving message of Jesus Christ. It kind of got skewed. So he said... Here's the saving message of Jesus Christ, and here's what it is. So don't let it get too confusing, right? And we went through that. It's not confusing. Here's the doctrine. But the other part was, even when they understood the doctrine, they didn't really know how to live, right? So they didn't know how to apply it to their life. So a lot of then the chapters in 1 Corinthians was, here's, you're not living right, so you need to live right. So here's the things that you were doing wrong. He gets to the end. What we've talked about for the last couple weeks is the resurrection means something in the Christian faith. Right? So, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what separates Christianity from every other world religion is Jesus Christ rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, and intercedes on our behalf. Like, that's, he's still alive. And he proved to us by coming back to his followers that we can do the same thing. We, as Christian people, at the end of our earthly life, we don't die. Like, our physical body goes away but our spirit and our spiritual body lives on forever. And so that idea of the resurrection is important to the Christian faith because it's what separates us. Then we said, okay, now that you know that, let's talk a little bit about what heaven's like. Did you ever think about this? Like what's heaven like and what's going to be? After my life on this earth is done, what is heaven going to be like? And what's the resurrected body look like? And so we talked a little bit about that last week of what that is. Then he comes back in 16 and says, okay, Now that you know all of those things, I'm going to give you some practical things to go do. So now that you understand doctrine, Jesus Christ died for your sins, that all we need to do is to believe and receive and trust in Him. And if we do, our name is written in the book of life, never to be blotted out again, and we will experience eternity with Jesus, not based upon what we did, but what Jesus Christ did for us. That's doctrine, right, salvation message. And now that we understand that sometimes it's hard to apply doctrine to life, because we kind of get off track sometimes, but he says, Christian living is a part of it. Like, this is important. It doesn't stop with salvation. The idea of salvation wasn't fire insurance. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to go to hell, so I better go to heaven fire insurance, like that's the reason you want saved, not because you really want to be in a relationship with Christ, but you just don't want to go somewhere else. So he's saying it doesn't stop with you saying, hey, I believe and have received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop with that. He says, if you've truly believed and received, things will change in your life. Practical things will change in your life. Now, for different people, it happens over a different time. Some people have radical change. Some people have incremental change. Some people have change, and then we fall off the mountain every once in a while, and we have to change all over again. Amen to anybody else other than me. Right? Like you're heading in the right direction, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, that was a bummer. You know, and you go back to where you were, and you got to try to start all over again because we just messed it up. But because of the grace of Christ, Jesus Christ, that's okay right? We get back up, we keep living. So what Paul's going to do now, he's saying, now, I'm just going to tell you what to do. How's that? You don't even have to think about it. Because sometimes we leave messages to be like, go talk to the Spirit and see what he wants you to do, you know? So today, you don't have to go talk to the Spirit, you just have to listen to Paul. You know, Paul's going to be like, if you are a Christian and you want to live in a Christian way, here's some things that you need to do. So 1 Corinthians 16, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, here's what he says. He says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, uh, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. How's that? He starts off with, you know, one of the first things that you should do is be generous and give away your money. The thing that nobody ever wants to talk about in church, right? Like it's the taboo subject. Not the taboo subject, because I'd love it if it wasn't a taboo subject, but usually it's a taboo subject when the church is like, hey, guess what? You should probably be giving away your money, right? Like that's a whole part of the Christian faith is that you should be generous, right? And he, and he specifically talks about what does that mean, right? So for each one of us, he says in the beginning, he says, you know what? It needs to be a discipline, right? He says it's for all people because this is some of the confusing part. A lot of people say, well, I'll give when I have enough money, right? And so some people are excluded. Some people aren't, you know, in the game. Some people are in the game. He starts right away is if you call yourself a Christian, Giving is what you should do, right? And he says it should be a discipline. It shouldn't just be when you have something left. Does that make sense? Right, like giving isn't a result of, hey, I got to the end of the week, you know, or I got to the end of the month and I have a couple bucks, so, you know, I just want to throw it in. Giving is a discipline, right? That's what he says. For Christian people, giving or the idea of giving is to say, I have chose to honor God with what he has honored me with that like, you know what I mean? Like the reason that we give or the reason that he talks about this is to remind us whose money is it to begin with? God's. Whose stuff is it? Whose business is it? Whose house is it? Right? You know what I mean? Like he's saying, just as a reminder, like I want you to enjoy your business and your house and your boat and your lake cottage and all of that stuff. Like I want you to enjoy all of those things. But once a week, I want to remind you of something. It all comes from me. And it's all filtered through me. So in remembrance of that, or help us to remember those things, it's like, I want to give back a portion, right? That's the other thing that he talks about this, is not only should we be disciplined, it should be a portion of our income, right, when it comes to giving. Now, a lot of, if you've been in church, you know, if you haven't been in church, it's going to be something completely new to you when I say this, but a lot of churches would say you need to tithe right? The tithe being 10% of your income, like you need to do the tithe. Paul doesn't talk about the tithe. Paul says, give based upon your increase, right? Or give based upon your blessing. Does that make sense? Like, give on your blessing. Like, if give, first of all, like that, that's not an option. Give, give regularly, and give as the Lord, and be the old King James, giveth, right? So, you know, you need to give. I mean, if he's given, and I say this to people all of the time, like what happens if like you're giving that 10% and it's just like a budget line item for you and then God just blesses your business or blesses your fields or blesses your life and you're like, what are we supposed to do with that blessing? Well, he would say you give based upon how he gives to you. Like there's a certain amount, but you give based upon that. So he starts with, I think one of the hardest things in my opinion, in 20 years of working with people, one of the hardest things to get to. Money seems to be that kind of last thing that we want to let go to because we always think we got to get in control of it. Because if you're not in control of it, anybody else, right? If you're not in control of it, you're worried that it's all going to be gone. I'm glad none of you have that problem, but I'm saying... Like, there's this worry when you look at it that, like, it's going to run out. And there is a real reality that it does run out. But God says, I know your needs. You know, I know, you know, if I take care of the birds of the air <laughs> and the flowers of the field and the clothes and their beauty, do you think I not care about you and your needs? So he starts with, we should give, and it should be a part of uh, our Christian dream. So step one, Paul would say, Christian living, if you wanted to know what to do when you left here, you need to look at yourself and evaluate your giving and what you do with it. Here's the next thing. Verse five: "After I go through Macedonia, well, I'll come, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For do I want to see you now, I don't, for I don't want to see you now, and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great, uh, great door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord. Just as I am, verse 11, no one then should treat him with contempt, send him on his way, In peace, so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to go with you. I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go, but he will go when he has the opportunity. So, here's the second thing he tells you to do. So, you need to give and you need to carry on the Lord's work. Okay? You need to give, and you need to carry on the Lord's work. What is the Lord's work? Evangelism. So we've been talking about that a lot, right? So every empty chair in this room represents somebody, thought process, who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ, right? We've been talking about that. Don't forget, there are people in this world that are at this point in their life going to spend eternity separated from God, a Christless eternity in a place called hell, and part of the reason is they've never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The gospel message of Jesus Christ gets spread how? People, right? People, one-on-one conversations through relationships, through messages. That's how we spread the message of Jesus Christ because you can't stop, as a church, you can never stop evangelizing, right? You can never stop sharing the, the love of Jesus Christ. And it's not just shared through saying, hey, let me ta- walk you through the Bible and what the salvation message is. These gift cards that you're getting, right, is sharing the gospel, right? The gift cards that you can turn around and give to people, the, the meals that you can share with people, that's sharing the gospel because we're sharing the love of Christ and people are seeing Jesus through us. So sometimes I think we get wrapped up in like, I don't know how to share the gospel, Well, here's an easy one. Grab a gift card on the way out and find somebody that needs help this uh, Thanksgiving season or this Christmas season and be Jesus to them. And that's the gospel, right? And that's what people see. The other part of it is edifying the body of Christ, right? So edifying the body of Christ means building up each other, right? The whole idea that we as believers should challenge one another. Like it's not just good enough to say, you know, here's where I'm at. You know, So if you're in relationship with somebody, it's not just good enough to say, here's where I'm at. We need to move them somewhere else, right? Like they need to move inside of their faith. They need to grow inside of their faith. They need to mature inside of their faith. So in that, Paul describes it in a couple different ways. So like how do we carry on evangelism and how do we carry on edifying the body of Christ? One of the things he says is, is you have to be a person of vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, anybody? The people will perish, right? Where there is no vision, people will perish, right? So, what is vision, right? And why is it important for a Christian person to to have vision, right? So, vision is seeing God's preferable future for not only you, right? Does that make sense? So, for you, he's saying, What's the preferable future? right? Where does he want Eric to be? Where does he want Mike to be? Where does he want Jay to be? So you look at it and say, I'm looking at myself, and I know God's preferable future for Mike Reed is here, vision. Now, I'm not, Mike's not there yet. Mike Hill's not there yet. Eric's not there yet, but I know where he wants me to go. I see a vision for what he wants me to become, a preferable future, right? So you see those things, and not only is it a preferable future for you, it's a preferable future in what God sees inside of the world, Right? So you've got to have vision to be able to see that. That's why I've said all the time is, is that to understand what God wants us to do, you can never be satisfied with where you are. Right? And we're going to kind of explain that. Right? That's why we, if you remember this a long time ago, the reason we went to three services wasn't because we needed more room. We went to three services because we wanted you to be uncomfortable again you know that's what we did upstairs we wanted you to be reminded that every empty seat inside of this room represents somebody that doesn't yet know Jesus Christ so have a vision don't forget think about the preferable future that God sees for life church is having opportunities to reach people so for each one of us we have to be able to understand and be able to have a vision in our life the other thing is is that you're going to need to be flexible Right? I don't know if any of you guys have been down this road, but you look at like, where does God want me to be? And then as you're moving down that road, all of a sudden you get kind of veered off the road and you'll be like, wait a second, I was on this road. I was on, this is where I wanted to go and I thought this is where God wanted me to go. But if we're going to do the Lord's work, we better be flexible, right? And you better be open because this is how it works. You ever had that still small voice that when you're going down the road, you think you're gonna be going down the road, says, take a right turn. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Amen for one person other than me that's got the right hand turn coming up. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. I'm like, I like being in control. That's why I never like my wife to drive the vehicle. Like, I want to drive. I want to be in control. I want to, she can be the navigator, but I want the wheel, right? Like, that's just a personality thing inside of me. And so when it's a, like, I'm going that way and somebody says, turn right, I don't want to turn right. I don't want to turn right. I want to go that way, and I want to get there quicker, and I want to be there the fastest way. Stop slowing me down. Do we really have to stop and go to the bathroom? I mean, do you really? Can't you hold it a little bit longer? Do you really need something to drink? You're not going to dehydrate, for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I want to get, <laughs> somebody's traveled with me before, I want to get there right? I don't want to mess around. I don't think you need to eat. You know, I mean, you could go 24 hours without eating, you know, or keep some snacks in the vehicle. You know, if there was a way to have extra gas tanks on your vehicle and you never had to pull over at the gas station, I would be completely happy with all of that. But being a Christian, following the leading of the Holy Spirit is a great challenge for me because every once in a while it says, right turn, right turn, and I have to be like, dang it, okay, right turn, right? I have to be flexible in all of those things. The other part and this is that uh, we must be faithful in where he has us today, okay? So one of the challenges as you start thinking about vision is you want to be somewhere other than where you are today. And so you become very discontented and disconnected from where God has you today, right? Like this is where I'm at, and you're like, this is where I want to be, and so I'm so down, disappointed, Don't, you know, I want to be over here. Here's what I want you to know. God has you where you are today for a reason. Don't miss the reason because you're looking at where you want to be. You know what I mean? Like there's tons of people that I'm with and I talk to and they're like, I just don't feel like I'm effective where I'm at. And if I could just be here, then I would be effective. Or I've heard people say, you know what? Um, I think I want to be a missionary. I'm like, oh, you really want to be a missionary? Yeah, I want to go overseas and I want to be able to do mission work, and I want to reach people for Jesus. I said, are you a missionary here? Like, are you doing mission work here? Because believe me, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus over there, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus here. Are you a missionary? Are you faithful in doing what God's called you to do in the circle that he has called you in, because he can't move you outside of that circle if you're not going to be faithful for where he has you today? So you're going to keep wishing all the time that you're somewhere else, but if you're not faithful in where he has you, it's going to be difficult to move you on. So he has you, although you might not think that it, that it makes sense. He has you where he has you for a reason. And I always tell people, be, be prepared because he's preparing you for something. Right, Like he's got something going on, and he's trying to do uh, something in your life, and you, so you need to be okay with it. In fact, to the point of what he talks about next is if you're going to be a visionary and you're going to do the Lord's work, you better be okay with opposition. Right, Like a lot of people would be like, I know I'm in the Lord's will when everything's going right. You know, I know I'm in the Lord's will because everything's working. I would challenge you to say this. You know you're in the Lord's will when it's not working. (laughs) When there is opposition. Because you know how it works, right? Like, you know how Satan works? Like, he doesn't really care about the people that aren't making a difference. You know what I mean? Like, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, can Satan take away your salvation? No. Can he take away your effectiveness? Yes. So if you are being ineffective, do you think he's going to waste his time? on you? No. The people that are trying to be effective in the way that God's called them to be effective, be ready for the opposition because it's coming. And if you are unwilling to fight through the opposition, then you're going to struggle doing the, God, doing the Lord's work because in doing the Lord's work, there will be constant opposition for each one of us. And so we need to think that opposition in your life and doing the Lord's work is a reminder that you're doing the Lord's work. Cruising through life might be, just might be a reminder that you're not. Because I just don't think that that's the way it works. If you're on cruise control and we're just working through there and we don't have any of those things, then I don't think that we are in where God wants us to be. The other part that he talks about at the end, doing the Lord's work, is you need to do it as a team. Right, You can't do this alone. And I don't know what your team looks like. Your team can look different. It could be your spouse. It could be a men's group of people. Right, like we, You get together with these group of people, and we encourage one another. Anybody know the power of encouragement from, from brothers and sisters in Christ, how much that does for you? Because if you are out there and you're being opposed in what you're doing, if you're trying to do it alone, believe me, that's a bad process to be in. Because when you're out there and you feel like you're doing it alone, all of a sudden the, the, the world seems like it's just overwhelming, right? And, and you can't do it. Remember I shared the, the story with you one time. One of the important parts about each one of us as Christian people is, is this thought or this vision that each one of us at times in our life are going to have different struggles, right? So it's like being in a basement that starts to leak. And when it's just one leak, you can plug it by yourself, or maybe two leaks, <laughs> but side by side. But when the whole basement starts leaking, you better have some friends. You can't plug all the holes. <laughs> you just can't. There's just no way to do it. And that's the vision that God's that Paul's trying to give to us. If you want to do the Lord's work, believe me, somebody's trying to shoot holes in your basement. Believe me, your basement is going to start to crack. Your foundation isn't going to go away, but there might be some leaks. And believe me, if you try to plug all the holes by yourself, you will soon find yourself wore out, burnt out, and done. Because you can't. It's doing life together, being okay to let other men, guys, I'm speaking to myself just like I am to you. It's okay to have other guys in your life that can help you right? Like, it's okay. Like, it's, you know, we want to be strong. We don't need anybody, at least me. Like, I don't need anybody. You know, I'm going to go down the road and push harder and work harder and work longer and work faster and do more. And I'm going to plug and I'm going to use my feet and I'm going to do everything else. And I'm going to run around and try to stick my own sticks in there and they keep popping out. But if I think I keep sticking the sticks in, it's going to last, right? Because I want to know that I did it and I worked at it and I pushed. It's okay, guys have friends that care about you that want to plug your holes part of doing life I think women are way better at it like they don't mind (laughs) you know what I mean they don't mind sitting in a circle and saying help me plug the holes or let's have a group together plug hole event you know like that's okay guys struggle with it but he says that we need to be able to have that in our life then he goes on verse 13 and he says this so do the Lord's work but then he says be on your guard stand firm in faith Be courageous, be strong, and do everything uh, in love. Lot in that one, you know, 13 and 14, when he says, the first thing you need to do is be alert. What are you watching out for? When you leave here today, what should you be on your guard against? Okay, you're doing the Lord's work and you got vision and you're starting to move and you're putting practical things. Here's what you need to be alert on what we just talked about. You have an enemy that does not want to see you succeed. Be alert. That's Satan's job, right? The reason that he is existing on this earth, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he's after you. So... Be on guard because Satan has you in his sight. Satan wants to tear you down, so we need to make sure that we're on alert for that. Be on alert for temptation, right? He says it. Understand that we live in a world that's trying to tempt you, to lead you off, to cause you to sin, to move you off the mark. Make sure that you are aware of the temptation uh, in your life. Be aware of apathy, okay? Be, be on guard with apathy. This tends to happen in a lot of people's lives. Things get to be overwhelming and we just give up. just become apathetic, just going to make it through life, get through the next day, the next day, and nothing ever changes, so we we become apathetic. Again, this is a challenge, guys, that I've I've challenged men for a really long time. I think we have not lived up to the calling that God has called us to do on this earth, guys. We've sat around and watched things happen and hope somebody else has fixed it, fixes it. He's called us to lead. He's called us to stand up. He's called us to stand in the gap. He's called us to be men of God. He's called us to to fight the fight. And too many times, men, me included at times in our life, just be like, we'll just watch the world go by and become apathetic. We just kind of put out fires and try to make it through. But he says, be on guard. Don't be apathetic in your life. And he also says, then make sure we understand or be alert for false teachers. We live in a world today where a lot of people have not read their Bible, right? Not read your Bible. So if you haven't read your Bible and a preacher gets up and tells you something and you don't read your Bible and you don't check it, will most people believe it? Now think about this. If you've not read your Bible and a, and a pastor gets up there and he tells you something is true and you don't go back to scripture and sees it true, is it possible to have false teachers in the world? For sure, right? Because this is what's happening a lot in our culture today. Well, I really don't need to read it for myself because I'll come on Sunday and somebody will tell me what it says. Or I'll go to small group and somebody will tell me what it says. Or I'll go to this place. Somebody will tell me what it says. I'm just telling you, I think you should get in the Scripture because we need to be alert for false teachers. Don't let somebody lead you down a road uh, that you shouldn't be. So he says you need to be alert. The other thing is, is that you need to be firm, right? That comes to how do we be firm? We talked about this in our Discover Life group uh, this last Sunday, and I think it's very relevant that people have stopped believing in absolute truth, right? Meaning that this is true and this is not true, and culture can't shift it one way or the other. So, how do we believe as Christian people? Where do we get our absolute truth from? Scripture, right? Which comes from God. We get absolute truth from what does Scripture say? you're going to have to stand firm because you're living in a world right now that's telling you that this is not true anymore. This is not true anymore. And this is not true anymore. And if you don't believe it, if you don't give up on that, then you're a terrible person. And if you stand on that, then you're a terrible person. Believe me, you're living in a world that's going to start persecuting you for standing firm in what you believe. That's common. Right. You might not have physical perse- persecution, but you for sure are going to have people that are going to verbally persecute you if you stand firm on what Scripture says. But Paul says us says to us, if we want to be able to do these things, then we're going to have to be firm. He also says, be mature. Like, that's the other thing that he's saying. Like We need to be mature. I've said this numerous different times, but I want to just you know, make sure that I, that I reiterate this. Maturity comes... Not based upon what you know in Scripture, but based upon what you live out in your life. Okay, let me say it one more time because I think this is really important. Because some people will be like, well, I really don't know the Bible, so I'm not a mature Christian. Listen, I know tons of people who know a lot about the Bible and do nothing. Anybody else know those people like they can quote it and they can talk about it and they're good at it, but they can't figure out how to live it? Right? They can't figure out how to apply it in their life, and they're like, "Wow, what a mature person." He could quote all of this you know, passage, and he could talk about this passage, but then you go look at his life and his life is not representative of it. Maturity is not based upon what you know. Maturity is based upon what you know that then you turn around and do. That's a, that's a huge part of it. And so he says to us, "Stop being kids." <laughs> Stop being a kid." Stop looking at things that we ought to do. You know, what do you get so frustrated with your kids on? Like they know the right thing, but they don't do the right thing. You're like, you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you don't do it. Any kids in here that you ever have that from your parents? I guess there's only two kids in the service, so I'm looking at you guys. So You don't have to look at them, right? Your parents ever get frustrated with that? Like, I really want you to do, but then you don't do it the way, maybe a little bit. No, they're just turning red, so I'll look at somebody else. I'm just kidding. So that idea, like, you know what you're supposed to do, but you turn around and you do all of the wrong things or you do partially the wrong things. He's like, stop. That's kid stuff, right? We're beyond that. You know what to do? Do it. Stop acting like a child, he would tell us, to to be mature. And then the last thing is he says, be strong, right? And what he's talking about is not physical strength, but he's talking about spiritual strength, okay? How do you gain strength? spiritual strength, okay? It starts with this. I'm going to have three things, right, that you have. So three things that bring spiritual strength. The first one is self-discipline. So I know for a lot of people, and I talk about this to a lot of people that I do meetings with, you have to be disciplined. If you want to do anything for the Lord, like if you want to take it and apply anything in your life, but you have an undisciplined life, I'm just telling you right now, you're never going to get it done. But you're just not. Like the whole thing when I talk about there's 168 hours in the week and you probably ought to figure out what you're doing with your 168 hours and be disciplined enough that you're disciplined with them. Don't waste your time. Remember we talked about that last week. Stop wasting your time. We all get the same amount of time. Don't waste it. Part of being self-disciplined is this idea that God's given me certain times on this earth. I need to be disciplined enough to know that I'm going to live on purpose. Right? Like, I'm going to live the way God's called me to live. So I need to be self-disciplined. The other thing is when you're going to need to be self-sacrificial, if you're, going to do any, if you're going to be strong for the Lord, you're going to have to learn the natural tendency for all of us is to fulfill self. And if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to start sacrificing some of that mentality and start thinking about other people. Right? Self-sacrificial. The last one is, is some self-denial. You know, it's like you're at this place. Anybody else get to a place where it's like you have this envy, like you want something? I was telling Tad the other day when we were talking, my wife has a nicer truck than me, and so every time I get in it, I get truck envy. <sighs> and I'm like, I, want, I don't need a truck. You know, I, my truck works. Well, Scott makes it work, but you know, it works most of the time, you know, when it's supposed to. So it works. I don't really need it. But every time I get in there, I'm like, but I want it. So there has to be some times in our life which is self-denial. Right? I have to get to my, to my uh, place in life. If I want to be purposeful for the Lord and I want to do great things for him, then i got to get to the place where I can be self-sacrificial because I'm disciplined with my time. I need to deny myself sometimes what I want. And understand more about what I need, you know, so that I can be able to serve uh, the Lord better. And then he ends it with this. Be loving. (laughs) Be loving. (laughs) This might seem like way hard lately. (laughs) Right? To be loving with everything that's going on and everything that's happening. Sometimes we're looking at each other as the enemy. You know, and I'm just saying, listen, inside of the Christian world, Paul says this numerous different times. If we cannot be loving, we can be nothing. Right? You can't get your point across. Let me just make sure people get this, because I think sometimes people miss this on social media. Like they think somehow they're going to change their mind just because of what they post or how they post it or tell you how bad you are for doing something. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm sure going to change your mind about wearing a mask because I'm going to tell you you're a terrible person for not wearing a mask. I'm like, wow, that was helpful. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like somehow if we just state the obvious, everybody's going to change. And every... Listen, nothing happens that means anything outside of love. It just doesn't. You're not going to have influence and change in the lives of people if they don't first know that, they love, that you love them. Right? That's the whole reason bullhorns on the street corner telling people they're going to hell has zero effect for the gospel. Because they're just looking at it like, what is wrong with you? Right? What would make you do such a thing compared to loving people and first proving that you love them so that they can understand that Christ also loves them? You're not going to get anywhere until you first allow people to... We can disagree. You know what I mean? I disagree with a lot of people. I have a lot of my own opinion, right? I do. I mean, I, I, listen, I can disagree all day long with people, but it doesn't change whether or not I love them, right? It doesn't change whether or not I see them as a child of God. Right? Like, I still see that. I can have a completely different opinion than you and be very strong in it, believe me and still love you at the same time, right? Like, that can be okay. Those things can go together, and that's what Paul was trying to say. If we're going to get any of this done, then we better be able to do it in love. All right, so we're going to invite the van back up, and I'm going to read the last part of the Scripture. So this last part, he kind of brings it all back together. Here's what he says in verse 15. You know that the household of Stephanus. Were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they, had suppl- because they have supplied what was lacking for you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve great recognition. Then he gives kind of his final greetings to everyone. He says, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul leaves us with this picture. He says from the beginning that I've given you kind of the big picture view, Paul would say. We are believers who believe in salvation. We believe in resurrection. We know that someday we're going to heaven. But to have lasting effect while you're on this earth, there's some things you got to start doing you got to start giving. you got to start, you know, being strong. you got to start, you know, being a part of the Lord's work. you You got to be doing something to move forward. Here are some practical things. And the worst thing that could ever happen for any of us is that we walk out of these rooms saying, you know what, <laughs> I hear it, I hear it, but I can't do it. I hear it, but, you know, and, and I don't know that it's possible in my life. And so Paul would end it with this idea. You're right. It's impossible to do alone. Impossible. You cannot live out the Christian life by yourself. You have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who then says you will do more than you could ever ask for or imagine based upon the power of the Spirit. That's what he says. Dream about it. Like if you stop dreaming in life, start dreaming again. Start looking at your preferable future. God knows your name and has a future for you. Dream about what he wants for your life. Don't just look at where you're at today. And know that you're going to get there when, when God moves us through those steps through his power. And you're going to face opposition and you're going to face challenges and you're going to come up against people who are going to want to keep you from doing it. But know that God has a plan for you. If the world's told you to stop dreaming, dream again. Because that's never what the Lord wanted for your life. He wants to use you. And he ends it with knowing this. I want you to do this together. Should be a part of a team. I want you to be a part of a church. I want you to be a part of a community. I want you to be a part of something that can help you along the way. Because it's one thing to know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to have a man or a woman beside you, reminding you that you have the power of the Holy Spirit when times are tough and when things become difficult somebody that when Satan knocks you down, you don't have to get back up by yourself and dust yourself off and pull up your, you know, by your own bootstraps and make it all right. Somebody's there to pick you up again. Somebody's there to lift you up again. Somebody's alongside of you to carry you when your leg hurts, when your back hurts. Imagine the picture not just you walking down this road with Christ, but you and your brothers and sisters walking together. That's the vision that Paul has for you. And if we do those things, God says he will do more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Suddenly, Father, when we come to you today, Lord, we, um, we would understand that for us as Christian people, you've called us to a bigger life. And you've also entrusted us with where we are today. So Lord, I pray today that you will unleash the minds of the people in this room to dream again what the preferable future for each one of them is. Lord, I pray for us as a church to dream about where God wants us to be, his preferable future. Lord, I pray that we together as a church will not lose vision for what you want, And for that we, as people of God, will not try to do this work alone. And that we, as brothers and sisters of Christ, will help each other along the way. And if we do that, you have said, the world will change. Because we made ourselves available. Lord, may we be available today for you. May we be used by you. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Fathom such boundless grace, the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken.
0: that at times seems hopeless. You know what I mean? We live in a world today where there are people waking up with no hope. Looking at the problems of their life thinking there's no way out. We as Christian people can celebrate and we can share. There is hope. And there's hope through Jesus Christ and he wants to give it not only to us, but to all people. So may we be a people that shares the hope of Christ with this world. Thanks for being here with us, and we'll see you guys again next week.